Good Palm Sunday. <laughs> okay, fair Palm Sunday. It, the, the weather's going to get better and better, better and better today for all those peep special afternoons. You remember peeps? Peep, those little yellow things. Yeah, how many are looking for their peeps? <laughs> well, <clears throat> when we were coming up with a schedule a couple months ago on who was going to speak during the, the, the month, uh, Palm Sunday came up to me, and Palm Sunday is the triumphal entry of Jesus coming from Bethlehem, where the lambs are raised on the hillside, the perfect lambs, and they, they bring them in on this day, and all the people in Jerusalem come out, and they pick out their sacrifice for their sins. And guess who comes before the lambs come on the little donkey? It was Jesus. And people started clapping and cheering and laying down palms and uh, palm branches and coats. And so that's the story. And guess what? We tell the story every year, right? And they're saying, you know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna. And so that's what happened on this day. Now, my wife had requested, you're not going to tell the donkey story, are you? I said, it's Palm Sunday. I'm in a rut. But it is, Palm, this is what happened on this day. All right, guess what? That's all the donkey story you're going to get. Because at the end of the day, oh, <laughs> no donkey story. Actually, my next door neighbor, Joe, who comes to first service, he has a Bethlehem donkey. And I thought, his name's Buford, but I don't think he would behave in here. We'd have to put a diaper on him and everything. But here's the next thing. Whenever you go to a petting zoo, look at the donkey on its back. They're called Bethlehem donkeys. On the back, right, his, his neck comes down. On his back, you'll see this brown line and a cross that goes down here. And they say, that's where Jesus sat. Now you're going, we got to go to the the fair or something, the zoo to see it. But every donkey, every Bethlehem donkey has it. Who's seen the, the cross on the donkey's back? Yeah, my children. Okay. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're going to the zoo. You're going to have fun. Look at that donkey. <laughs> Start having fun now. Well, what we want to do is there's, Jesus has a great, I mean, he goes in there, <clears throat> he he has this great entry. He stands, you know, he's on the temp, near the temple, and the Pharisees are saying things to him, and he has a few things to say to them. And then the whole week goes, he turns tables over, he gets fashions to whip. He has a great week, okay? And it gets us all down to Thursday. Thursday, which is called Holy Thursday. Thursday is Passover, the Jewish Passover. And we read about, you, we call it the Last Supper, because it was his Last Supper, but that's not the Last Supper. We're going to see. Jesus, to, uh, to have a great understanding of Passover, we've got to see the Passover that Jesus has. He was incredible. He changed the Passover. People go, well, you know, it's so rich. You know, we should have our own Seder. It's called a Seder. I said, but you know what? That's great. And they say, oh, the Seder will, will, makes communion very much richer. That's true, but you know what makes it even more richer? Communion makes a Seder richer because Jesus 
so much of the Passover. When Jesus came, died for our sins, he revealed, when he gave the Seder, he revealed things that the Jews do not appreciate. You see, they don't receive him as the Messiah. But he did some things that as he did them during communion, our communion comes out of the Seder. So we're going to take a, a quick, a, a brief look at a basically standard, standard Passover meal, a basic Seder. And then we're going to look at what Jesus did at the Passover meal and see how he pulls us into it. It's, it's quite quite amazing and I mean he was you know he, he was a style setter you know, he, he did his things but what's so neat is that what was a mystery to the Jews becomes revelation to us so what I'm going to ask is that you allow me to invite the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us to teach us because you need this revelation you need something to just go in your mind in your spirit for this to be true regardless of what how or how I deliver this message you have to be able to receive from the one who's been sent here to teach us and you open yourself up to that it's, this, is, this is not a ritual. This is not out of habit that we come here today. We should come here because we're a part of a family, but also to hear what the Spirit of God would say. I, for years, had to sit um, under a certain person before I sat under the big person. And, uh, you know, as a, as a youth pastor. And it was just tough. It was just tough because he was speaking to people who were mm, young in the Lord. Not, not, they're old people, but young in the Lord. People who want to be entertained, but not do anything. And so I had to sit through a service. And so I would, every Sunday I'd say, Lord, speak to me through your spirit. From the moment I did that, it was amazing what the Lord said in this service I thought uh, absolutely amazing that the Spirit of God is right there and so when people come up to me Mark I don't get anything from you I'm going you're not listening to the Spirit of God and I really mean that <laughs> not that it's coming from me it's because you closed your ear to the one who's right there in you ready to bring forth some great truth so let me pray father we invite your spirit holy spirit please we ask you to be here to be a part of this teaching to speak to each one of us and just turn on that light in our heart in our mind to make this so real to us to answer questions that we've not even asked much less the ones that we have so holy spirit welcome welcome in this place all right well we're going to get a better understanding. When <clears throat> the Jews were celebrating, let me just, and I'm just giving a rough thing for those of you who celebrate uh, Seders, realize we're not going to describe everything and the meaning of every, every herb, uh, every action taken, but I'm just going to give a Passover, the Passover, if that makes sense. <laughs> All right. So 
<clears throat> when the Jews celebrate, what is great about the, the, the Seder for the Jews is the way they speak is that they're not saying, just remember what God did for us. They put everybody into it. I mean, it, it's like a Disney adventure. You, you have a table set. There are four glasses. You're going to be served four glasses of wine. I put four glasses up here so you can see it. Actually, this is four glasses of Diet Coke. Okay. It's a little, bo it's a little early for me to be drinking, what is it, 12 glasses of wine today. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm only going to drink the soda. <clears throat> and then on the tray, they have bitter herbs. And each of the herbs are remind them in their captivity when they, they were... Uh, enslaved in Israel. All this is in Exodus. And they do this from the, the book of Exodus saying, this is what you need to do. But here's the deal. They're just not saying, remember the past. They're reliving it. They're tasting the bitterness. Then they have a full course meal. And it's usually lamb. And then there's prayers and there's songs and there's questions. And what's really is that they're even ordered that when they're eating the meal, it's important to lean to your left, like you're lounging. And that signifies that they've come into a comfortable place under the covering of God. I mean, every little thing. So if there are any children in here and your parents always say, scoot up to the table. It's like, I'm just being like Passover here. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll work. But my mother was always going, scoot up to the table. You're getting everything on your lap. It's like, I didn't know about this back then. So. There's all that going on, but I, what I want to, to, I'm going to highlight what the glasses of wine are because the Bible tells us that Jesus, when he was in heaven, poured himself out into humanity, a human. And he constantly, he poured himself out. So we see, we understand as believers, because we've accepted the Messiah, that the wine is represented of Christ. He poured himself out. So what's wonderful about the Jews is that they're feeling it, they're smelling it, they tell the stories, they have laughter, there's games, there's the sadness. But when we have taken the Protestants and the Catholics, there's this huge divide. What we're going to do today is hopefully re-enter the spirit of the Seder, that we're going to be put into it. See, if the Protestants have taken the communion and they've made it a thing of memory. Remember this. You know, it's like a, 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 a memorial service of what Jesus did. And that's fine. And they just, they just kind, of, kind of set it aside. Says, okay, we have to do this. Let's do that. And then the Catholics have made it a, a mystical magic show because they take wine and bread and then sometime during the, the taking of the Holy Eucharist, a bell rings three times, and when that bell rings, it's supposed to become the actual body and the actual blood of Jesus. That's a magic show. One's a remember the past, you know, which it's almost sacrilegious. Just to, it's just that, and the other is a magic show. And what we want to do is take a look at what takes place at a basic seder and then see how Jesus ran it. Amazing. And he's gonna make it so alive, and he's gonna put us in the middle 
of it. Now, first of all, a seder means order. It means the order. And that's why they have, they have a book and they have like the 15 things that you have to do um, to, to have a seder. Well, order to them is an order of the meal and the order of how God did things in Exodus. Order to us is Jesus comes and is the revelation of the Passover and he's going to see that there's an order of things that have all happened except for one. And he highlights it in such a way that it pulls us into this story and it becomes living. It becomes something that we are a part of and we'll see that at the end. So let's get started. Jesus said, and he said this to the disciples. He goes, guys, I have so just desired, I've been waiting to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So you know what? Jesus isn't eating this until something happens. So we get to take a look at that. Here's the basic thing. Seder means order. It goes, number one, a blessing is said. A blessing is said over the first of the four cups. And the host ends up, the host and the guest, sometimes some, some say the host washes his hands, but usually the host washes his hands, the guests wash their hands. And what they do is you can bring a bowl to the table, but you pour water on your hands three times. And three, because we understand three, it represents, what's, what do we know there, there's three of? Three and one, what, the father? Boom, very good. The, then there's three matzahs. See the three? The center matzah. Guess what the matzahs represent? There's three. Let's hear it again. Takes the middle one. Who's the middle one? The host breaks it. He takes it, puts one half back in the middle, takes and hides the other one. So now it's hidden. The Passover story is told. Exodus coming out of Egypt. The second cup of wine is prayed over. Everyone washes their hands again, dips three times. Now the bitter herbs, there's bitter herbs that are on the plate and the bitter herbs are served and everyone comes with their matzah, they break the matzah and they dip the different herbs. It's horseradish, uh, it can be onions, there's an egg involved, there's a bone on the plate, there's a lot of symbolism and it's all about what the Jews had to go through and they're experiencing it. That's what's so cool about this. Bitters are eaten. It says the main dish now comes out and it's usually roasted lamb. A blessing is said after the meal. The broken half of the matzah, which had been hidden, is brought back to the table. It's been hidden somewhere. That, you know, that, that broke, I, that, what happens is they have a child. And here's the neat thing that the Jews do, is that a true Seder is, is you're to invite generations. 
It's just not just one little group. The, the ideal Seder is that you have the very old and the very, very young. And so when they hide this matzah, one of the, the, the young people have to go find it. And they bring it back. All right, so this is just giving us a rundown. Uh, everyone eats of the bread. A third cup of wine is prayed over. A child opens the door to see if Elijah's there. After this third cup, they say, go to the front door, we have a guest. And the children go to the front door and they open the door and to see if Elijah comes. This is all symbolic, okay? This is all symbolic to them because they don't believe Elijah has come. But this is teaching the young children. Then they come back in the halal. They sing songs from Psalms 113 to 118. And then there's a fourth cup of wine. Let's take a look quickly at the four cups because we see in the four cups that in these four cups, we see our Messiah. Well, oh, let me, I don't want to get, ah, here we go, four cups. So, the first cup is called the cup of sanctification, and it commemorates the promise in Exodus, I will bring you out of slavery. I'm going to bring you out. But you know what? What Jesus did is because he brought us out of slavery, the slave, a, a, a spiritual slavery to sin. See, we're getting a revelation that the Jews don't have because they've not met their Messiah yet. They don't believe Elijah has come. But you know what? Our Bible in the New Testament opens up. It ends in the Old Testament in Malachi saying, you know, this is what we're waiting for. We're waiting for Malachi to come and restore the fathers to the sons and the sons to the daughter, uh, the, the hearts to their father. Well, guess who shows up? John the Baptist says he comes in the spirit of Elijah. Joel 2.29, when Peter prophesies at Pentecost. So the spirit of Elijah has come. The fulfillment of things in the Old Testament are, Elijah has come. The Jews are still looking for him. But, so guess what? We don't open the door. It's been opened. Elijah, the spirit of Elijah has come. So here's what's important. When we take this Passover, we recognize that the Jews were set free from Egypt slavery. Jesus has come and said that I've set you free from spiritual slavery. Because if you're suffering from something you think you're trapped in, and you know, and all have sinned and fallen short. We're all sinners saved by grace. But you know what? You don't use this as a license. Here we have, we have one who has delivered us from a spiritual sin. The, the spirituality. He has saved us spiritually. We are not to be controlled by the sin nature. And I want you to know the sin nature is spiritual. There is a, people think, oh, I'm just going to stop doing this. I want you to know that, that you're a spirit being and there's something that needs to be broken. If, you, if you're you know, stuck in a sin, it becomes something spiritual. You have people who stop just certain harmful natures. They go, I feel so much better since I stopped eating this. I feel so much better since I stopped doing that. I want you to know, it's just not you physically doing it. You are feeling that spiritually because something spiritually has been broken in you. You're not to do all this stuff by yourself. Jesus came to free us from 
spiritual slavery of sin, falling short. We're not to use this dualism attitude, oh, my flesh can just do what it wants to because it's not connected with my spirit. No, one affects the other, either for the good or the bad. So we have the revelation that Jesus has set us free. He is that first cup of sanctification out of the world. And, and the three matzahs are taken at this time. And the, and the Lord gave me this revelation. Remember, we broke it. We hid half of it. What does it say about Jesus' body? What did Jesus say about his body? You see, when Jesus stood up to break it, doing Passover, he gave a revelation. He goes, this, which you have been practicing for 1,500 years, boom, this is my body that you've been breaking. That moment right now, you are to recognize it is my body that is being broken for you. All of a sudden, the disciples are like, what? What? The breaking of the bread wasn't new. They've been doing it for 1,500 years up to Jesus' day. And then all of a sudden, Jesus drops this on them. This has been me that you've been breaking. And today's the day. It is going to happen this weekend. You are a part of this. You can say like, oh, wow. How do you respond to something that you've been doing just ritually all your life and all of a sudden, this has been you? Wow. So, <clears throat> half is eaten and the half is hidden. Let me tell you about to the Jew what that means. You know, to the Jew what that meant was that half, okay, half the Jews are going to accept the Lord when Jesus, the Messiah shows up. And then they've read in the, that in the last days there's going to be, the remnant is going to be saved. They think it speaks of that, which is true. But it also has another meaning. And you know the part about the, the, it's hidden and then they send the kids off to find it. And then the one who finds it gets a prize. And the Lord spoke to me and he says, you know what? He goes, this is one of the reasons that we do church the way we do, why we have so many young people that for the, the 30 years that I've been doing this is that we always had an emphasis on young people is because the Lord said, <laughs> that every generation has to find the body of Christ for themselves. So what they're teaching is they had the older people set it up and they're going, go find this broken bread and discover it for yourself. Because you know, it doesn't matter what I teach, doesn't matter what, what someone else has told you until you discover what Jesus did in his body for you, it's not real. And it's a responsibility of the previous generation to give the younger generation an opportunity to discover it for themselves. And to point to them to go in, go to the door. We have a special guest coming. Well, 
I may have gotten a little out of because you know and you can see the tie when Jesus said you know what I tell you the truth anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child that's all in Passover go find go find him that broken half and when they find it you got it can you see the little child it's even in the Passover teaching the next generation to discover this body that was broken for us amazing and you know what we have that revelation it is ours only the church knows this the Jews are still looking this this is fantastic so it goes on I'll just keep going here that's the matzah all right well let me read the verse he was pierced do you see pierced on there you see the piercings in that piece of bread for our transgression he was bruised do you see bruises the little burn marks look like bruises don't they for our iniquities and punished and then right here by his stripes who sees stripes Can you imagine? This hasn't happened yet. But the next time the disciples take the matzah, and they went, that's what I saw on my Lord. Dear God, I've been do we've been doing this for 1,500 years. And I had him in my arms. We knew him. The second cup. The second cup is called the cup of plagues. You drink this cup before you take the bitter herbs. You dip them and eat the herbs. And you take the herbs and you put it in between the matzah and eat it. That though it's bitter, that presence of God is there. And so it was at this point where everyone is dipping their, you know, into their salsa or whatever, <laughs> the different bitter herbs. It was during this, when they're remembering the bitterness that the Jews had to deal with. That's when Jesus said, oh, wrong way. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. Oh, excuse me, excuse me, it was before. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I got ahead. Of, I should have been staying on my notes. They take the second cup and you're supposed to wash your hands again. And so they're waiting for the bowl to come around. And Jesus says, no, no, not the bowl this time. Take your shoes off. You're not going to wash your hands. I'm going to wash your feet. He's throwing the Passover all out. Of, and that's why they're like, no, 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 don't wash my feet. They're dirty, they're filthy. He said, 
unless I do this, you have nothing to do with me. Before they were doing their own washing. Now Jesus introduces something and said, this you cannot do. Only I can do this. He's changing the Passover. He is giving new revelations because he is the meal. Peter said, don't, I can't allow you to do it. You have to. How many of us won't allow Jesus to wash our feet? You're too dirty. Allow him to wash your feet. It was also at this time afterwards that they're taking the herbs. Jesus revealed that he was about to be betrayed. The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me is going to betray me. That's a bitter herb. The third cup is called the cup of redemption. God says, I will redeem you. This is where Jesus announced a new covenant that he was the redemption. The forgiveness of sins. He goes, guys, I'm that cup. So I'm going to ask you right now, knowing this, he's that cup. That's the third cup. Because this is a new covenant. That bread that we've been breaking for 1,500 years, that's my body that's happening. And this cup that I'm taking right now, that's the blood that I've shed, that I'm about to shed for the forgiveness of all mankind. So if you could take your cup and you open that little plastic thing, so we're not done. There's a fourth cup yet. If you didn't get one coming in, you can hold your hand up and get it. So on the night that our Lord was betrayed, after the second cup, he took the middle matzah and he broke it as tradition would call for. They said, but this is my body that was broken for you. If you have a little, that little round thing, just go ahead and snap that. There's only been, Jesus only died once. His blood spilled once. But 
this is still going on. It's new to the next generation who's not partaken it. And it is our responsibility to set up a situation that we can introduce the next generation to the body. What Jesus did. So he broke it. He said, eat it. Then he took the third cup. Because this is a new covenant. It's my blood. A new covenant that is being made if you be a part of it. Recognize it, honor it for what it is. The forgiveness of sin. The redemption of man. Take and drink. Here's the most exciting part. The fourth cup is the cup of compilation. It's a cup of him taking in. goes, I will take you as my people. Now, in the Seder, they drink this fourth cup. This is what Jesus said. You're still a part of an active Passover. Jesus said this, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the wine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you. And my. He goes, I'm not drinking this until the wedding ceremony. So you know what? He didn't drink it. That means we're still in the midst of a Passover. We're still in the midst of what is about to happen. Everything that has happened. The first three, Jesus has done it. He's completed it. And we're just about finished, but not quite yet. That makes this alive. It makes it happening right now. Oh, I took the, I took the third cup. His redemption, the, the new covenant, I took it. And I'm waiting for number four. I'm waiting. Jesus has made this alive again. Alive. And you know, when they finish the Seder, they say to each other, next year in Jerusalem. <laughs> next year with the Lord. It could be next month with the Lord. Because the last day is here. We are in this thing. It is processing right now. When Jesus came in, when Jesus came in um, on the triumphal entry, they were yelling and shouting, Hosanna. They're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But what's interesting is that when Jesus stood in front of, well, he was on the donkey in front of the temple, and he said to the rabbis, uh, the, to the Jewish leaders, he said, Jerusalem, I tell you, it's in Matthew 23, 39, you will not see me again 
until you say, Baruch Habab Bashim Arunai says, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We're going to hear that again. The Jews are going to cry that out at the return of the Messiah. And he's just saying, you're not going to, that day is coming. That day is around the corner. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. this close so here's the question Jesus says for you to participate fully in this communion have you allowed him to wash the filthiest part of you have you been honest have you been able to take you know what it's like I don't know if you've ever been to a foot washing but your first couple it's like I don't want to take my shoes off I have a hole in my sock you know oh I got that big old corn I got I got the ugliest I've 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 got Frodo feet uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Frodo's feet but they're not pretty it's humiliating it's humiliating. Have you allowed Jesus to wash that? Have you showed him that? Said, so you sure? If you don't, you have nothing to do with him. Have you accepted the cup of redemption? the new covenant have you broken and told him I am enslaved to spiritual sin I can't let go of it it holds me because it comforts me and I don't want to let it go this is the day this is the time this is the hour that you line yourself up to wait for the fourth cup with him. So let's stand. If that's you, I encourage you to say your own prayer right now as I'm praying over you. Allow him to wash that ugly thing that you don't want exposed. Receive the freedom from your spiritual slavery to something else. Recognize that this meal that he took isn't over until he drinks it with us as our bridegroom. He is the groom. And he sees you. This is how he sees you. He says, I'm returning for a bride. And remember, the, the, those of us who are married, there was nothing that that bride could do. That girl could not do anything that you didn't see her perfect. And if you did see a flaw, you made like you didn't see it. You made an excuse for it. That's how Jesus sees you right now. And so what's, our inspiration is to live up to who he says we are. To live up to the one's opinion 
of the guy who loves us. Can you agree to do that? Accept the cup of redemption, looking forward to the cup at the wedding table where he takes us to be his own. That's a Jesus Passover. We're still in it. Father, for every man and woman in this building, by your spirit, you've moved on them and you're moving on them now. Is there a part of us that we haven't allowed you to wash? Is there a part that we don't want anyone to see, including you? Is there spiritual slavery to sin that just so comforts us we don't want to give it up? Lord, we are so inspired to know that your son sees us as a bride waiting to be gathered up in his arms and held and cherished. That he's been away from his bride for thousands of years now. And he's hungry to come back to embrace her. Lord, let us get a glimpse of that love to inspire us to live up to how your son sees us. Perfect, beautiful, without fault. How could you love us that much? But you do. Father, we thank you that you've been, your son was pierced and bruised and bore stripes for us. That we get to participate in this, this holy moment. Celebrating what you've completed, your son has completed, and looking forward to what he's about to finish. So we say, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, Baruch Haba, Bashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. Give the Lord a shout. Yeah. Woo!